Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. This is our third program of the season, and we're very glad you could join us. City Club would not be able to present all of these programs without the generous support of our supporting business sponsors, KMUZ Community Radio, Blue Jean Fulbert Graphic Design, Pioneer Trust Bank, Rich Duncan Construction, and Virgil T. Golden Funeral Home. We are so very grateful also to our members who support us by renewing their membership and also to those who have given a donation this year. Our program committee is planning a full set of programs this year. Watch our website and our emails for details. And now, here is George Dyer to introduce the Marion County candidates. George? Good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever it is right now. Yeah, it's good afternoon, I think. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we're now, today, we're 24 days away from the general election, and um, I want to just welcome everyone to our uh, uh, voter, Informed Voters series. Uh, I think it's very important that we learn as much as we can about the election and about the candidates, and it's so good to have two of our three candidates uh, for the Marion County Commissioner's uh, race, and uh, we will be hearing from them in just uh, a little bit. I, I just wanna review a little bit about uh, the Marion County Board of Commissioners. Uh, in the state of Oregon, most counties have a Board of Commissioners, and that consists of, of three individuals um, who uh, are, are the executive, the legislative, and to some extent, uh, the judicial branch of county government. And uh, uh, th those folks are very important in dealing with a, a variety of, of areas, and particularly in public health, because the state of Oregon uh, says that public health uh, services and issues uh, will be dealt with at the county level. Now, County commissioners uh, are elected for four-year terms, and uh, in Marion County, we have staggered those. Um, positions one and two were last elected in 2018, and uh, position three uh, back in 2016. Uh, unlike other county elected officials, such as the sheriff and the treasurer, um, assessor, clerk, uh, the county commissioners are partisan uh, offices. Um, they uh, are they are paid positions. I, I believe that their salary is just a little over $100,000 a year. Um, and, and a major portion of their responsibility is managing a about a $450 million budget um, and that includes those elected officials as well as other county services such as roads and that sort of thing. There are about 210,000 registered voters in uh, Marion County. 35% of those, or uh, yes, 35% of those are non-affiliated voters. 29% are Democrat and 29% are Republican. Now, the last time that uh, we elected a Democrat to the Board of Commissioners was back in 1976. Now, I just want to mention that there is one other candidate besides the Republican and Democrat candidate that you will hear from today, and that is uh, William H. Johnson, and he's running on the as a Libertarian. The Libertarians make up 1% of our electorate in Marion County. Now, I would like to introduce our two candidates who are with us today, and we will start with uh, uh, the Democrat candidate, who is Ashley Carson Cottingham. Um, by the way, both of these candidates are, are uh, Native Oregonians, and I'm happy for that. But uh, Ashley was born in Bend. She received her BA uh, at the U of O, went back east for her law degree, and then worked in the U.S. Senate. She returned to Oregon and worked and led organizations dealing with social service agencies, including most recently being the director of Oregon's 
Office of Aging and People with Disabilities. And welcome, Ashley. Uh, representing the Republican uh, Party is Danielle Bethel, who was born in Salem. She received her uh, higher education with a bachelor's from OSU. By the way, she also attended McKay. I taught at McKay for a while. So actually, I may have missed you, but uh, McKay was a great place to, uh, to teach in. Um, she received her bachelor's at OSU, and um, she is the CEO of a small business. She's the executive director of the Kaiser Chamber of Commerce, and she is a member of the Salem-Kaiser School Board. So we want to welcome both of you uh, to our pr uh, program today. Now, I'd like to start out first by asking both of you this question. Uh, what is it about you that you think would make you a very successful Marion County Commissioner? And let's start out with Danielle answering that question. Well, thank you, George, for that great introduction. Um, this is an exciting question for me. Uh, what I think will make me a great county commissioner is my willingness to just really do the work. It's different as a county commissioner because more often than not, we're just the judge as a commissioner versus the employee facilitating all of the programs and services. But we get the opportunity to be out in the community and hearing from folks, learning where there's gaps in need, and then we get to see if we can facilitate things at the highest level possible to really serve our community across the board. And I am not afraid to do long hours and lots of work. Actually, it has been a remarkable experience just following the last year of this campaign and all the places that I've been able to go and the people that I've been able to meet so I can see firsthand where that work really is and I'm excited to get to it. Okay, uh, Ashley, you want to take that question? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am very excited to be running for this position. Um, I have a you know, deep background in public service, um, working on behalf of seniors and people with disabilities, women and children. And um, I know what it takes to run a large um, publicly funded budget that um, goes towards programs that make a huge impact on people's lives. Um, I managed a large division that had you know, over 1,400 staff statewide, um, 900 contracted staff, and a, and a $3.4 billion budget. And so the county you know, has a you know, very large budget, $450 million, lots of staff as well. And I think that um, I'll be able to do a lot of good in um, rolling up my sleeves on day one, figuring out how we can rebuild the communities that have been lost, um, that have lost so much up the Sanium Canyon and also um, recover from COVID and get back on our feet as quickly as possible. So I'm just excited to be um, reaching out to everyone across our county, doing a lot of listening. Um, it's the type of experience that I have and I think that I'll be able to make a difference in Marion County. Very good, thank you so much. Uh, let's go on now to our, our uh, other questioning and for the next uh, four or five questions that I'll have for you, uh, you will have two minutes to answer those questions. And to start out with, um, we will start with um, uh, Danielle. No, no, we'll start with Ashley, excuse me. Uh, Ashley, are you there? Oh, the, no, there's Danielle. There's Ashley. There we go. All right. I'm here. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's your question for both of you. Ashley, what is your assessment of how Marion County government is managing the pandemic and the wildfire situation? Specifically, what is one thing that is being done incorrectly and that as a commissioner, you would like to see done uh, differently? Now you have two minutes. Great, thank you for that question. Um, so, you know, my assessment is that um, we've been hit by, you know, two really, really tragic and horrible things, um, right one after another. Um, I think that we 
um, are in the middle of a global pandemic and the public health division is responsible for protecting people um, and keeping them healthy and safe. So um, I think as county commissioner, I will be modeling really good public health behavior. I will be listening to the experts, um, wearing masks, not having events in person, maintaining social distance, et cetera. Um, our farm workers and community of, communities of color have been hit really hard by this pandemic, as have um, our seniors living in nursing homes. Um, and I think that one thing that we can really do a lot better is our um, process of getting personal protective equipment to the folks that need it um, and lots of it because I know we're doing a good job getting it out there, but people run out really quickly. We are seeing the cases spike and we've had over a hundred people die in our county. It's just tragic. With the wildfires, it's been amazing to see the outpouring of support from all across our county. Um, we are heartbroken for the people that have lost everything. Um, one thing I think we can do to improve is to look at an after action activity to see um, how we can communicate more effectively in the midst of a natural disaster. Um, I don't think it's acceptable for our um, residents of our county to be trying to escape for their lives with embers falling down on their cars as they um, leave. And so I think we need to figure out how to protect our first responders next time there's a wildfire how to get communication out when we have um, the, when we have to shut power down to save more homes and lives. So how are we going to communicate more effectively next time, get people out safely with particular attention to our homebound elderly um, and people with disabilities? Okay, thank you very much. Now, uh, let's hear from Danielle. Uh, Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Good, this back and forth with the video mute thing is gonna be, it's gonna be a bit of a challenge, I think, but I'm glad that you can hear me. This is a really great question because it's something that you know, us as candidates can't really refer back on because this stuff has never happened um, in our lifetime. And so one of the assessments that I've had of Marion County uh, from the beginning, because I have been instrumental in the processes and systems that are in place today in Marion County and in partnership with the state and the governor's office, is obviously there's no roadmap. And how do we bring our partners together as quickly as possible to see who is the most vulnerable in our community and how do we serve them as quickly as possible so that way we can contain the virus and make sure either it doesn't spread or that we can get the most necessary medical services to those individuals as quickly as possible. Um, I've been boots on the ground with this pandemic, like I said, from the very beginning. Um, I sit on a task force with the governor's office rep representing small businesses and my community of Marion County. And one of the failures that I have seen um, all along is really the communication between the state and the county. Um, it's the governor's responsibility, as is the director of the health authority, um, to make sure that the counties have the utmost um, transparent information that they can then turn around and facilitate with their local level public health authority to support our community. One of the failures that I've seen consistently occur is our most vulnerable, vulnerable population of seniors really being put at risk. It's no secret that their communities were shut down right away. And it's no secret that they're often served by low income wage earners. And there has been a high rate of virus in Marion County in those particular facilities. And we have yet to see how we're going to support that community of service workers to prevent carrying that virus into the community. Thank you, I see my red card, Cindy. <laughs> okay, now, Daniel, stay up there because I want you to answer the next question. Okay. All right, very good. Um, recently, the Salem Reporter received more than 350 responses uh, from its readers about fact-checking candidates. One of the three most frequent replies was to campaign donor details. Name the top three individuals and or organizations that donated to your campaign and their amounts. And are there any individuals or organizations for which you would not accept a donation? Oh gosh, okay, so 
My currently my largest campaign donor is Ferris Lumber, which is one of the oldest lumber companies up the canyon, and they donated ten thousand dollars. I don't know them in order, so um, I recently received a generous donation from Mountain West Investments, which is a large development company here in the Willamette Valley. And probably third to that would be, well, I received a donation from the Mid Valley Association of Realtors, uh, but I don't know what that looks like on Orstar because I don't actually jump on there and manage that tracking. I have a really great team for that. Um, I believe the next question is, is there any money that I wouldn't take from individuals? Um, and yeah, I mean, I have integrity and I don't want my campaign to be purchased. Um, and so I've, I have a relationship with every person that's made a donation to me, um, whether it was small in a, in a value of $25 or 10,000. Um, and I've received donations from clear across the county and from out of the county from individuals who have lived here or in fact work here now um, that want to see the county move in a direction that supports their values. Very good. Thank you so much. Now we'll hear from Ashley. Great. Thank you for the question. Um, so I think my largest campaign contribution um, so far is around 2,500. Um, and that is from an entity associated with SEIU, the labor union that actually represents the county employees. Um, I think I've also received um, some, a larger donation from a couple of other labor unions, the electrical workers, um, and the AFL-CIO, like the local Marion Pope Yumhill labor chapter, which has a bunch of um, the trade unions associated with it. Um, I haven't received a whole lot of large donations. I've been doing my fundraising in the, you know, old fashioned grassroots style. Um, so I'm really proud to report that I have, I think over 350 individual donors. Um, from all across the county, the state, some of my supporters throughout my work um, in other parts of the country have helped me in this um, local campaign, which is really nice. But I'm most proud of the people that are giving me $10 and $15 at a time um, because they really want to see change here in the county. Um, I think absolutely I would not take money from certain organizations or entities um, that, you know, anything that didn't align with my values, anyone that has um, ties to white supremacy or doesn't support um, a woman's right to choose, um, that has any sort of, um, you know, just really anything that doesn't align with my strong values as a leader, I would not accept their funds. Okay, thank you. Um, Ashley, if you'll stay on, I'll ask you the next question. Okay. I'm here. Uh, Okay, <laughs> I'm <good>. back. <laughs> In July, the Statesman Journal reported that Marion County dropped reproductive health services at its clinics, including family planning, birth control, pap smears, and pregnancy tests. These services are primarily provided to women. If you were on the commission at that time, would you have voted for these cuts and why? Thanks for that question. Um, yeah, it was really shocking to see that the um, commissioners did that right in the middle of a global pandemic. I think it's completely unacceptable. I never would have supported that decision. Um, I for, furthermore, I know that they didn't consult with um, the health advisory board for the county. There's a number of people that serve in a voluntary capacity to recommend decisions around core health care services, and they weren't consulted prior to that decision being made. I think that people have relied on the family planning and reproductive health care services at the county for a long time. Um, and I don't think it's appropriate to send a letter out in the midst of a pandemic saying you can no longer receive these services and supports um, through your county health division. Um, I know that the county engaged a consultant to look at what services may be uh, able to be removed over time if they are duplicative of other services in um, our county. And that consultant recommended a variety of different options with a plan for winding down services like reproductive health care and family planning or vaccinations. Um, but the commissioners didn't actually follow the plan in winding down those services. 
And furthermore, I wouldn't agree with winding down those types of healthcare services at all. Um, as county commissioner, I would advocate that we bring those core services back. Women's health care is absolutely imperative to the health of our overall community and county. Thank you. Thank you. Danielle. I'm, I'm here. It's your turn. <laughs> okay. So this is actually a really great question because I think there has been some confusion about this process um, since the letter was sent out and since the Statesman's Journal prepared that article. And it's important to share with my community that I have been a, um, a client of the Family Planning Services at the Marion County Health Department um, as recently as 2018. Um, as most people know, insurance is very expensive and it's hard to come by for um, small families who um, you know, own our own businesses or work for nonprofits. Um, and it actually until earlier this year, I didn't even have health insurance of my own and couldn't afford a private um, uh, plan. So my daughters and I have gone to the health department to receive those services. But what's important for people to know is that the commissioners don't just wake up one morning and decide to cut programs. Uh, there's almost, well, there's more than 1,700 staff that work for the county, and there are individuals that work in the health department that process those programs and those services. And they make recommendations to the commissioners based on the need and assessment of the community. And the health department is actually the entity that brought this decision to the commissioners, for the commissioners to support uh, removing those particular services. Um, I agree that it's very critical to provide family planning and healthcare um, access um, and service to our community um, because, well, we all wanna be healthy, but we also wanna be able to afford it. Um, I believe there's a role for the government needs to be the service provider for all things. I believe we have a fair open market and there's lots of opportunities for individuals to receive those services outside of the program that was recently closed. And I also appreciate the letter that was sent from the health department to tell people where they could go and get those services outside of the health department. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Now stay up and I'll ask you another question here. Okay. Um, a major responsibility of our county government is solid waste disposal. Where do you stand on the Covanta garbage burner and why? Oh, I almost hit the mute button, but I, I'm on, I'm off, not on mute, right? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The, um, the Covanta burner is a really unique uh, entity and service that we have here in Marion County. And it's uh, not a secret that I support it. I've done a lot of work I'm in the last year and actually in the last couple of years, really understanding what Kavanta does for Marion County. The alternative options that have been provided to us um, are not reasonable to me. I do not think that we should be putting Marion County waste on semi trucks and shipping them up I-5 and 205 over to Eastern Oregon so they can sit in a landfill in Arlington. I believe that there are other options that we can use to improve on our solid waste management. But I believe that that's a community responsibility. Again, through education and facilitation of information, the county can support us individuals to reduce our waste so we don't have so much of it and we don't have to rely on a burner such as Kavanta to, to remove that from our environment. We need to be better citizens. We need to be more diligent and we need to be making the individual choices to protect our community and our environment. And we need to be working with our county to make really healthy decisions on, of course, how that system of uh, removal is processed. But right now, the alternatives that I have seen brought to the table do not work. And so therefore, I support Kavanta and its capacity of what it's doing today. Okay, thank you. Ashley, it's your turn. <laughs> thank you. Um, so this is a very difficult issue um, that we have with Covanta um, and having that be our garbage incinerator for the county. Um, you know, I think that there's a number of things that we should be looking at as we move forward. And this kind of describes my way of learning and making decisions. Um, you know, from reaching out to lots of different people around the county, there's varied opinions. 
Um, what I feel is that we don't have enough information. And so as county commissioner, I wanna make sure we're understanding what's being burned and when, and what the emissions are when different waste is being burned. What I've learned is that we're burning a lot of out-of-state medical waste in an incinerator in our county. That's a little bit scary to me. I wanna know what the emissions, you know, what's the level of toxicity look like when you're burning medical waste versus, um, you know, our regular garbage that we throw away. Um, so I would like some readings in the stack based on what you're burning to understand the levels of toxicity. I'd also like to see some soil and water testing done around Covanta to understand what the impacts are to our agricultural lands and the human beings that live in close proximity to Covanta. That will help us to understand the risk of burning our garbage and waste versus finding alternatives. So, you know, I am concerned that there are negative health impacts to people living around an incinerator. I also know that there are ways to do it in a much cleaner way with having higher level filtration um, and potentially not agreeing to burn certain types of waste. Um, since the county does rely so heavily on it right now, I think, you know, we need to come up with potentially a five year plan that looks at reducing our reliance on an incinerator and making sure that we don't have negative health consequences. I see my red card, so I'll stop. Very good. Very <laughs> good. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, I have one more question for the two of you. And before we go on to our audience. <clears throat> so, um, Ashley, as a commissioner, how would you help create affordable housing? and to deal with the homelessness uh, in our county while still supporting additional costs to infrastructures such as schools, water, sewers, et cetera. Great. Um, so that to that question. <laughs> so um, I'll start with how I would want to encourage affordable housing. Um, you know, it's important to me um, if elected that I that people who work in Marion County can live in Marion County. And I think there's a number of ways that we can do that. I really wanna first look at the density of our different cities in our county to make sure that we are um, increasing density prior to usurping our really productive agricultural lands. Um, I think that we can look at the vacant lots and buildings that we have around Salem and Kaiser to figure out can these be sold? Can they be converted into um, you know, affordable housing? Or is there an incentive we can provide through property tax abatement that would allow a developer to come in and then certify you know, a certain percentage of units to be for low or moderate income individuals? With homelessness, we have to have a multi-pronged approach. I have relationships with our legislators with our governor's office, with city councilors, and I think we need more low barrier shelters, navigation centers, um, more women's shelters, and we need to come together once and for all and make sure that people are not left out in the cold this winter. Um, I think that this is a huge priority, and while education is a priority and access to broadband internet is a priority, um, we, I think we can do it all by having the, the hard conversation, figuring out the appropriate prioritization, coming up with really detailed strategic plans for the county, and then execute on those plans. And those are the types of skills that I have, the experience I have, a track record of bringing all of these types of critical services to people's lives to them in an efficient and an effective way. Okay. Danielle? Can you repeat the question so I can get the third part of it? Uh, yes. Um, as a commissioner, how would you help create affordable housing and deal with the homeless issue while still supporting the additional costs to infrastructure such as schools, water, sewers? Okay. That's a lot of 
questions in one for two minutes, but let's just say that we need to really focus on the local level. First of all, affordable housing is a supply and demand thing. And we have a lack of supply of that here, uh, particularly in the Salem-Kaiser area, um, not necessarily all throughout um, the county as far as access to be able to put houses up. We just have some barriers, particularly like in the state and area, um, we know that they have lots of land that they can build houses on, but they have a water issue up there and it's really expensive to build on that land for developers. So how do we look at key target points all across the county to determine where housing can go, what the barriers are to develop that housing, and then create creative measures and plans with our local developers to make sure housing can come in. We also do want to look uh, at the density portion of that because not every community wants to live on top of each other. Most people, in my experience, don't want to live in an apartment. They want to achieve home ownership. And so how do we facilitate that process as a community conversation to occur? Homelessness is a really big deal, and it's really near and dear to my heart. Um, I have talked quite often throughout this campaign that I experienced homelessness as a young kid, um, particularly through high school. And we have students today navigating homelessness frequently. Mary or Salem-Kaiser schools have well over a thousand students that we can hardly speak to right now during this pandemic um, because they're homeless. And so we need to provide more services, we need to provide more communication, and we specifically need to provide a bigger table to have more folks present handling the situation immediately. It's very urgent. I'm kind of tired of talking around the circles and everyone's doing different things. We need to bring it together and do some collaborative efforts. Um, the former commissioner, Janet Carlson, has been working on an initiative for quite some time. And I believe that we really need to kind of spearhead and stand behind that and get some momentum to it. We've got great partners in the community, such as the Mid Willamette Valley Community Action Agency, who's doing really great critical work. And we need to turn to them and ask them questions and start creating solutions. Thank you. Now, uh, I wanna conclude by uh, the, asking the candidates to take two minutes and uh, uh, summarize and uh, how they feel and what they might be doing. Uh, and so to do that, we will start with uh, Ashley. Um. Great, thank you. Um, so I think that I really appreciate the opportunity to be on a candidate forum. Um, it's good to see you, Danielle. Um, it's such a wild time to be running for office. Um, and I know we're both hardworking moms. So I applaud you for running in this crazy time. Um, I'll just reiterate that my vision for the county um, is to you know, work on job creation and economic growth. Um, we've been hit so hard by the pandemic and the wildfires. Um, there's a lot going on. And I have spent most of my career in public service, um, a lot of that in government. And I want to be able to and will hit the ground running to ensure that people in our county can get back on their feet, back to work, get their homes rebuilt up the canyon, um, that people have access to critical mental health and behavioral health supports, as well as other um, county health care services. And we have to address our homelessness crisis. Um, there are too many people suffering on the streets. Our veterans with brain injuries, um, people with severe and persistent mental illness. And we, there's just so much we can do in government to come together, um, utilize you know, our community partners, um, our faith-based community, and really solve these problems. But it really does take government being central to that and leading in a strategic manner um, through relationships at all levels, through the governor's office, the legislature, our city councils. Um, and, you know, I think we can do it. I know I have the experience to get it done and I know what it takes to do the outreach needed to bring everyone on board and bring everyone to the table. Thank you. Thank you very much. Danielle? I'm here. So um, I, I'm doing really well. I really appreciate the question. I have to say that it's been probably the longest year of my life. Um, like Ashley, I'm a mom and I can relate to her. It's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, trying to navigate the pandemic and now the wildfire and online school. I have kiddos uh, that I'm now teaching and I 
always thought that might be a fun career, but uh, kudos to all the educators out there who are pivoting um, on mass, mass amounts of probably technology challenges and lots of lack of sleep um, for doing what you're doing. I, um, I have really enjoyed this journey. I started campaigning last year in October and I have spent a lot of time really getting to know my neighbors all across Marion County. I mean, I've grown up here, so I know how to find the niches and crannies of um, all the places that people who don't necessarily want to show up and have a conversation about their, their frustrations and challenges. Um, but I've gone out there and, and sought the information and I hear them loud and clear. Um, I have spent a lot of time really following the commissioners, all three of them in their role as a county commissioner, which almost feels like a second full-time job because they're on the go constantly. Um, they have a lot of meetings and there's a lot of folks participating in those meetings and then following up with those individuals to really understand their perspective. Um, and there's just a lot of content. Marion County is a big county and county government is critical to our daily lives. I didn't really realize before how much um, access they provide for me every day in my community and um, well, well, all of us. I, I look forward to getting elected and to continue doing the work that I'm doing now on behalf of my neighbors. You know, I'm systematically working in, in processes to rebuild the canyon, connecting people to resources, getting resources for them that don't exist currently in our local government, brainstorming with the commissioners and other leaders just to provide access so when I get there, I can keep going. Thank you, Danielle. Um, can we have Ashley and Danielle uh, on the screen, please? I want to thank both of you for coming and sharing with us your ideas. Uh, it, it is so refreshing to see such bubbling personalities uh, running for a position like that, and that is neat. Um, I wish you the best of luck in your campaigns, and uh, thank you for coming to the Salem City Club. Now, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Hans. West, who is going to take you through the question and answer uh, period uh, with our audience. And so again, I wish you the very best and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, George. Hello, hello there. Um, this is Hans West and um, we will start the question and answer part of this uh, presentation. Um, <clears throat> The most of you, well, all of you should have, if you're on the video, should have a raise hand button at the bottom of the screen. If you have a question, please, please uh, raise your hand. And then when we get to you, we will announce that you can now answer the question. Uh, and then you need to, you need to hit on your um, microphone, uh, the mute uh, to unmute yourself and, and, and ask the question. Um, so that we would really appreciate. So far we have three of those, good. And we have three questions on the question and answer, no, four actually, so I think we'll do fine. Let me start with the first one. Oh, and I should add, if you're by phone only, and I don't think, no, there aren't any people, so I will not run that by you. So let me start with the first question. Uh, Lee Mercer um, has this question. Lee, could you please go ahead and ask it? Is your microphone working? Uh, Lee, are you there? Okay, can you hear me now? We can. Okay, good. Thank you both for being here. You're doing a great job on your campaigns. My question to you is, nationally and locally, we're understanding that in the United States, our healthcare system is not up to most of the uh, developed world in terms of dealing with this COVID crisis and our healthcare in general. A number of counties and cities around the United States have signed on in support of the idea of developing a true universal health care system in the United States. And uh, counties and cities have done resolutions in favor of this. If you are elected, this is a question for both of you, would you support the county commission passing a resolution in favor of achieving universal health care in the United States? Uh, Danielle, why don't you start? Great. Thank you for that question, Lee. And I recognize your name from Silverton. So it's great that you popped in here. Uh, that's a really great question. And you're right. Healthcare is a really difficult um, concept to achieve for all individuals. 
And unfortunately, I believe competition creates better access um, to services. We can see that in a lot of publicly funded or publicly forced um, areas of our life. And I, I think that although we know there's a lot of barriers, having one entity tell us all the things doesn't provide room for creativity or growth. And I, I, I'm a proponent for um, well, competition in general. I do agree though that our systems need to improve greatly. Um, I've, I've been a product of poor healthcare um, off and on throughout my life. And I watched my mom who suffered from severe mental illnesses really be challenged by it as well. And so there's great room for improvement, but I don't believe that universal healthcare um, at the end of the day is the solution that I think is best for us today. Ashley, your turn. Great. Thank you for the question, Lee. Um, I absolutely would support um, a proposal or um, an agreement to work towards universal healthcare coverage, um, fighting for something similar to a Medicare for all um, system is something that I've done for the majority of my career. And it's very personal to me because I had cancer when I was 22 and then by the time um, I was treated and luckily everything was okay, um, I tried to buy health insurance and I couldn't buy health insurance on the open market. Not a single entity would sell me a health insurance plan. So that's where my eyes were opened to our system of health insurance not working for people with pre-existing health um, issues. And luckily the Affordable Care Act has helped with some of that, but still we see so many people without adequate access to healthcare coverage, it being too expensive, too high of deductibles. Um, and I think healthcare is a human right. I think healthcare includes mental health supports. And because of my work in long-term care for so long, I really would like to see it include universal coverage for long-term care as well. Um, the amount of money that we spend in our Medicaid program to cover people um, in long-term care is enormous. And so we need to look from cradle to grave at what people need for their health care and make sure that we make appropriate investment so that they can receive what they need when they need it and that we will save money overall as a country, as a county, if we look toward other countries that have done this successfully and have much better healthcare outcomes. Uh, thank you, both of you. I'll take one more from the raised hand. Uh, Russ Beaton, it's your turn. Mute, can you hear me now? We can. <laughs> okay. Uh, Oregon, as you know, has a widely acclaimed land use planning program, which talks about uh, a lot about relationships between cities and counties, especially through urban growth boundaries and all that. Uh, do you see, as a county commissioner, do you see working comfortably and effectively and using that as a tool, or do you see the land use planning program as more of a barrier to things you might like to do? Either, both of you. Ashley, why don't you start? So this is an area that I, you know, is not my primary area of expertise, land use law and planning, um, but I have been talking to quite a few people throughout the course of this campaign about their views. Um, I don't think that it, it's a, um, a barrier or, um, you know, something that I would be uncomfortable with. I think we just have to work with our cities um, when it comes time to look at the expansion of the urban growth boundary, um, we have to prioritize and we have to think about, you know, do we wanna usurp our productive agricultural land, you know, land that we can't get back um, if we decide to change it into, um, you know, large subdivisions. So I think that my approach for making decisions is always gonna to be to hear everyone out, to show up, to listen to the concerns, and to make the best possible decision on behalf of the largest number of people. I think I've also heard concerns about water. So if you continue to expand, are you using up water that could other be, otherwise be utilized for ag? Um, 
So I think along with expanding the urban growth boundary, we really have to look at things like installing sewers or water, um, making sure there's adequate water supply prior to doing that expansion so we don't see some unintended impacts down the road. Um, from what I've seen with the decision making at the county, it doesn't seem entirely consistent, the, the approach to land use. So I would say that my approach would always be to want to protect and preserve our productive agricultural and farmlands. Um, you know, I think that's critical and we can't get it back. We are world renowned for the types of crops that we produce here. And so I'd really like to see us continue to be able to produce those crops. And again, look at housing density as a first priority prior to that kind of expansion. All right, thank you, both of you, for the, no, those can answer. Oh, I'm sorry, Danielle, go ahead. <laughs> Sure, thank you. That's a really great question. Um, I, uh, as the director of the Kaiser Chamber of Commerce, have sat on, oh my gosh, many, many meetings locally about the urban growth boundary. And if you don't know, Kaiser and Salem are married, and there's a talk of a divorce. <laughs> it's you, you have to go through a legislative divorce, basically, in order to have your own independent UGB. And that's a lot of work. If you're really bored, you can go look at the Springfield-Eugene scenario that happened a handful of years ago and what that looked like. UGBs are really important to our local communities. We have 20 incorporated cities in Marion County and all of them deal with um, land use planning individually. And then they work with the county on that. And then there's state overhead uh, information and requirements to come into that conversation. Um, I think the in inconsistencies that occur um, in the county level is because every local authority has their own suggestion and desire because it's their community and it's their neighborhoods. And we absolutely have to be taking that into consideration before any decision is made. I um, am excited to be working with the leaders in all of those communities. Land use is critical component to our um, layout of how our communities look and thrive. Um, we in Marion County are the number one ag producer in the state. Where we are world renowned for the products that we produce and ship out of here, and we have to protect those. Uh, but we also know that there's a 10 year trajectory of growth in Marion County. And how do we manage that? And how do we show people the places that they can go that have less density now, such as Staten, as I mentioned earlier? Um, with that said, we have to protect our agriculture land because if we don't have food, then we can't live. Um, and I, I think that. There's opportunity for growth, but that growth comes through conversation and partnership. And I know that I'll be great at facilitating that when the need arises. Thank you. This time, I think I got it right. <laughs> Let me go to some uh, written questions. Um, this is from Jim Shepke. On Monday night, the Salem City Council is expected to set a goal to have the city become carbon neutral by 2050. This is similar to the goals that many other countries, states, and cities, including Oregon cities, have already set. Do you think Marion County needs to join the city of Salem in working to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? And this is also in the context of the wildfires, the recent ones. So, Danielle? So I recently learned that the city of Salem had a committee that was looking at reducing greenhouse gas emissions, thanks to a reporter. And I haven't done a lot of research on what that looks like and what their goals are, but I agree, we do need to take uh, constructive measures to reduce greenhouse gases. What that looks like, I'm not sure. I think Marion County should be at all major conversations uh, in our communities because we have to work together as a team. And if we're not working together as a team, there's gonna be friction and resistance, and then it's gonna be harder to meet those goals, whatever they may be. So yes, to answer your question, I think Marion County should participate in the conversation. Um, and then I think that the city of Salem and all of our city partners across the county need to be working together to make sure our environment is safe. And the second half of that question, because I can see it is, do I think that recent wildfires in Marion County were at least partially caused by climate change? And actually, no, I don't. I think that poor forest management is what contributed to that wildfire, specifically the Beachy Creek fire. We know that that fire burned for several weeks unmanaged. And I've heard from federal partners that the reason that they couldn't put it out is because they weren't a high enough priority for our national partners um, in DC to get that retardant here. So 
I, I mean, yes, I'm sure climate change is a part of particular things, but I do not think it's a part of that particular wildfire. Ashley, your turn. Thank you. Um, yes, I would absolutely like to see um, Marion County work with City of Salem. I think Silverton has also adopted a great plan um, to reduce um, greenhouse gas emissions and reliance on carbon um, for fossil fuels, you know, over time. So I would really like to see the county develop, you know, a multi-year strategy along the same lines. Um, you know, I think something really easy we could do right away is looking at our fleet of vehicles and trying to transition um, as many as possible to electric um, or lower emissions. Um, and then I think the wildfire issue is so complicated, um, but I do think that, um, you know, climate change contributed to the high winds that we saw whipping through, which, you know, the fire absolutely was burning um, deep in the forest for a while. Um, the wind picked up and it was an unprecedented event, but I know that there are other things that helped, that led the fire to expand so rapidly. So those high winds, plus the way that we've set up our communities, we have tons of power lines above ground that sparked other small fires. We've clear cut up in that area multiple times. And so the undergrowth that grows back when you clear cut burns much hotter and much quicker. So it was able to come down the hills and burn these communities um, because we have not made the appropriate investment in making sure that we protect the structures there. There's really smart ways to do that. So as we rebuild, I think we need to be looking at the type of siding we use, making sure we're covering gutters, we're using the right type of um, roofing material, um, covering vents, because when you have grasses and you have wood chips around your home, that's when the sparks come from a forest fire or other type of fire, that's really how your home burns. So I think we need to look at climate change, but we also need to look at a multi-level strategy to make sure that, we, that people don't lose their homes again, because I am concerned that we will see um, further wildfires in our future. Thank you for those uh, answers. Let me, I'm gonna to go to one other written one. Actually, it's two people kind of asking the same one. And after that, we'll do a, a raised hand. So. Let me start with this one. The population of Salem makes up about half the population of Marion County, and yet there has not been a county commissioner representing Salem for several years. Do you think it's important for citizens in Salem to be represented on the Marion County Commission so that their unique concerns can, can be addressed? Now, let me also add another one there, really similar in many ways from Bill Dalton. Often I think those living in Salem fail to realize the services and value of the county. As a commissioner, what actions might you take to reach out more effectively to Salem City residents? So I threw those two together and I believe it is Ashley's turn to start. Great, thank you. Um, well, being a Salem resident, I absolutely think there should be Salem representation on the Marion County Board of Commissioners. And we are, you know, the population center of the county. And so I would definitely like to see some Salem representation. Um, that said, um, I think you're absolutely right, Bill, that people don't necessarily immediately know what the county does for them when they live in the larger communities. And so, you know, my plan would be before the next budget build um, to really get out across all the communities and talk about those core services. I think we're in a unique situation because of the pandemic and the wildfires. People have realized in very recent months how critical the county is to their immediate and everyday lives. Um, I think communication can happen by doing town hall style meetings. I think we need to do more social media. Um, you know, I think the county staff are doing a good job keeping the website up to date. Um, I think there were some problems, you know, a little bit of problems during the wildfire. Um, but I think communication is always going to be a challenge, but we need to do it really well. That's what people expect out of their government is to be getting information timely. And I would definitely want to be paying close attention to that. 
The other thing that we need to do is make sure that all communications are getting out in top languages. Um, and I think that the county staff are trying to do that, um, but I don't think it happened quick enough during the beginning of the pandemic. And so I'd really like to see some improvement, um, especially getting materials out the door in Spanish um, and English simultaneously on any issue of importance. Um, and then also look at other top languages. We have an incredibly diverse county um, with lots of people that rely on the services and we need to do a good job communicating in an accessible manner. Danielle, your turn. Yeah, okay, so I grew up in Marion County. I specifically grew up in Salem. Um, I, I went from elementary school to middle school to high school in Salem. I'm actually in one of the most diverse areas of our community uh, in Northeast Salem. Uh, I agree that we need to have really clear representation. And one of the options that people I think don't realize about Marion County is that they're not a ward or zone type county commissioner. They're elected by the, the whole county. It's an at-large vote. And I think that that pressures this individual seat um, as the other two to make sure that they're present and aware of their communities. Um, and actually Janet Carlson, when she was a commissioner, she lived in South Salem and Commissioner Cameron, who currently serves, uh, lived in Salem for a very long time until he moved up the canyon. And I think that you have to be present no matter what. I mean, I live in Kaiser now, but I've only been here for five years. Um, and you know, the 20 some before that, like I said, was in Salem. I have a great pulse on that community. Um, I participated every day doing something with a small business owner or transporting my kid from here to there. Um, so I think that they'll be well represented. Um, and I, I can help navigate. I went on a ride along with a sheriff recently who had just moved here from back east and she got a call and she wanted to use a little GPS system, but instead I was her navigator because I can tell you the fastest route to get from South, South Salem all the way to Northeast Salem. And I tell you, it was a ride. Everybody should sign up for a ride along for sure. Um, I think the county does a good job with services, uh, but I do agree that we need to do a better job of communicating what's out there. Um, we have many, many services that provide the, the community at the grassroots level, the LEAD program, the Homeless Alliance, the, crisis, uh, mobile, the Mobile Crisis Center, the Psychiatric Crisis Center, and then we've got the Drug uh, Treatment Assistance Center. And all of those services um, directly serve individuals and their needs. But I am more than aware of the challenges that people don't really realize how to connect the dots or that they are applicable to those services. And so I love marketing. I think it's one of the funnest things that I get to do in my job today. And I have said for quite some time that Marion County really needs to do a much better job. I'm gonna look forward to doing that regardless of the outcome of this election. Of course, I'm hopeful that I get to serve as a commissioner, but in my role as an executive director, I know that I have ideas that we can move up to the top and make it a priority and really get that information out there. Um, I agree actually that we need to do a better job of communicating with all of our communities in Marion County. We have more than 86 languages that are spoken just in our Salem district. 86. That's a lot of languages. In this pandemic, we saw a huge deficit of those individuals receiving services and understanding the requirements and protocols and safety um, that they needed to facilitate and navigate for themselves. So we have to do a better job of getting out not just English and Spanish, but I would say the top five languages that are spoken in Marion County. So that way we can all be on the same page working together and living a healthy way in our community. Uh, well, thank you very much for those taking all those questions and actually answering them. Uh, how rare and refreshing. So um, unfortunately, I don't think we have time for any more uh, questions. And I apologize. Uh, actually, at the beginning of this whole thing, there were very few. And then all of a sudden, they kind of exploded. So maybe next time, folks. So uh, thank you once again for both of you, Ashley and Danielle. And now I will turn it over to our president. Uh, city, city Council President. Salem City Club President. <laughs> oh, excuse me. What, what did I say? Good heavens. Oh, that was a serious promotion. Thank you, Hans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Danielle and Ashley. We uh, very much appreciate you taking the time to uh, meet with our 
audience today. So um, at this time, I would like to uh, remind our audience that um, we will be in two weeks presenting a debate on the ballot measure on campaign finance. So you can come and hear Dan Meek of Honest Elections and Kyle Markley, who is a libertarian, present the pros and cons of this measure. We hope that you will join us then. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. <laughs>